0: Okay, here we go. Great to see you. Uh, When you stop talking, you put the pressure on me to find the right Sunday. Misericordia Domini, the tender-hearted Jesus. So you often, I mean, Pastor Nelson was very clever last week when he talked about, and there's so much you can make of the idea that, um, you know, Jesus literally says to Thomas, just like reach your hand inside that wound all the way up and touch the heart that came out with blood and water. Eucharist and baptism for you. I mean, there's a very interesting... And he did that in the sermon last week. You know, Thomas, reach your your hand up and go all the way to my heart. You know, touch what I've given for you. Um, Flesh, blood, Eucharist, um, and baptism. They pierced him in the side. You know, and this is a great example of how we do horrible things to each other. And then the Lord works it out in marvelous and mysterious ways. So, you know, so so he takes it in the side for you. Eucharist and baptism pour out. Um, A couple of days later... It's healed up enough that Thomas can touch that and benefit by it. It's remarkable stuff. So in the old calendar, it follows up with Misericordia Domini. This that'd be the Sunday, the this, this third Sunday in Lent, the tenderheartedness of Jesus. You regularly see uh, it's foreign a bit to Lutherans, but you regularly see you see pictures of Jesus um, usually on a car calendar in a Catholic house. Uh, the car dealership gave you the picture of Jesus, and there's Jesus' heart. You're like, oh, that's not us. We don't buy our cars there. So, um, No, sorry. Uh, so, uh, but it should be, you know, because everything is working out. So, And then it comes in, of course, Then this also becomes the good shepherd, but he's only the good shepherd because he has a tender heart for you. I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. And that will play across the next couple of weeks. So let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ you lead us to your immortal blessedness. Grant that we who are weak don't presume to trust in ourselves, but always that we have you before our eyes, that we follow you as our guide. We know that you know the way, and we pray that you would lead us to every heavenly desire, soothing us body, soul, and spirit. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Put some money in the basket, and that will go to CareNet. Net, um, and that's, you know, it's always good, you can't just do, you can't do enough good for folks who are kind of taking care of other people, it's a greatly merciful thing, so if you want to do that, that's great. Have your picture taken, um, some of you are older than the last time we had it done, some of you are younger, Kirby, you're young, much, uh, you know, some of you are older, um, You know, uh, life's good, Uh, sign up downstairs and that'll be coming up. Let's see, how about Pastor Nelson's radio voice on your phone? Wasn't that nice? My my only disappointment was my answering machine cut off half of it. I was like, that was really good. I'm like, holy cow. I mean, he may be doing late night jazz in Chicago and none of us know about it. That was, I mean, that Nelson, he's all right. So that was good. Vicker did a great job this morning, so that was very nice. Uh, That's a complicated text and a complicated sermon. He did a great, great job. Um, we had a run of visitors again this morning, if you would be conscious of the fact that uh, it's very hard to walk across the threshold of a church and just say, hey, I'm here. But we've had, um, you know, five or six or ten families, you know, across the last couple of Sundays. Not Easter, we didn't have a lot, as many visitors, but over these before and after, we've had a lot of visitors, if you could um, be kind to them, that would be very, very nice. And let's see, what else? What um, else? Questions about anything? Life's good. Otherwise, we should press on. Yes, Mr. Lee? From the first reading from church this morning? It was a long reading. Go ahead. The baptism of? Paul, yeah. Yeah, usually when Jesus says um, you'll be baptized by fire, normally that's thought of as to be Pentecost. Uh, So this is a... um, Yeah, uh, well, if you have one baptism, then you could have another. So he does talk about the baptism, and there's even talk about being baptized in blood, right? And all those, uh, baptized with fire, baptized with blood. You know, the literal word for baptism means to, you know, to wash something up. It doesn't mean actually submerge, as some folks would lead you to believe. Uh, It can mean that, but it's not the only thing it means. It basically means some element is added. So his River Jordan baptism is the basic thing that you know, uh, water and a name. But you always have to remember that even though we hold Jesus' baptism in the Jordan up as um, a great gospel act, you actually get a different baptism than Jesus got. So Jesus got baptized. He got the baptism of John the baptizer. You get the baptism of Jesus himself. So he gets his water baptism with the Spirit and the Father speaking his name. So there's similarities. But he gets something different than you got. He gets John's baptism. Uh, and then the great cryptic thing. You tell me, was John's baptism for the forgiveness of sins? Was it divine? And, of course, he says that it was. But then he also speaks metaphorically of baptism, and there's a way you can talk about that as something else coming on top of you. Now, the thing is, is you can, if you have the literal, you can have the metaphorical, but um, you don't want the <laughs> metaphorical to displace the literal, and that's often what happens in our time. So for Jesus, yeah, you can't speak of baptism in the water at Jordan, very literal, by fire you know and also in blood he speaks that way Um, keep the order going one two three and not three two one and you're gonna be okay there okay and do remember that he get even though we recognize sometimes Christians lapse into especially with an iconic use they lapse into Jesus baptism is paradigmatic for my baptism not exactly right because it's actually they're similar but two different things okay John had a baptism Jesus had a baptism Jesus got John's baptism, you get Jesus' baptism. Got it? How's that? Everybody good? All right, so, um, you know, we are sort, of, sort of carry on with this, this thing that Kleining has given us and this great gift. Um, a couple of things to think about from last week. Uh, one is, you know, we talked about your failures in prayer and my failures in prayer. Um, you know, we talked a little bit last week about how, how sometimes you just simply fail because you're weak. And not to be um, so hard on yourself when such a thing happens. Here's why. It's just like the fasting that many of you tried for Lent. Our weakness um, often points out our shortcomings, but also reminds us of the value of other things. So even on the days in your fasting, when you failed in your fasting, when you realize you failed, you remember not just that I didn't kind of get through this, but more importantly, always the attempt at fasting, and then of course the failure at fasting, is to say... To remind you of Christ who does all the things that He's doing for you, particularly at Lent. In the same way, when you fail in your prayers, um, part of the reason is, of course, that you're weak. And, um, you know, the vicar went right to the heart of it with original sin today. So, you know, part of it is that. But I also um, want to suggest to you that one of the reasons you fail at your prayers is that you've got competition. We've said this to you a hundred times, but you should think about it very personally in your own prayers. One of the ways you hurt Satan most, one of the ways you really poke him in the eye, is to say your prayers. Okay, So when you say your prayers, you push back the darkness. When you say the prayers, you, know, you put your thumb in Satan's eye. When you say your prayers, you introduce light into the world. When you say your prayers, you call Jesus close. When you say your prayers, you ask the Holy Spirit to permeate the place. When you say your prayers, you're doing a divine thing. As you know... Um, you know, things are fine now, but there are clouds on the horizon and there will be trouble. <laughs> you know, eventually, you push against the darkness and darkness pushes back. And that's going to be, that's going to be the pattern of this world. Until the second coming of Christ, you're going to push against the darkness, the darkness will push back. You'll push against the darkness, the darkness will push back. Hopefully, that it'll go like this, you know. Hopefully, you're moving up and to the right, although this would be right for you. But hopefully, you're moving up, you know, hopefully, you're moving up, you know, like a good stock market, your prayer life's higher highs and higher lows. That's what you want, okay? But you're still going to have these difficult times. So it's not just that occasionally you have weaknesses that you forget. Sometimes it is the active um, burst, you know, the flashbang of evil. It's, it's the being punched in the nose where you're, you're sort of disoriented and your eyes water and your nose hurt. And you go, what just happened? And you begin to bleed. That actually is a response sometimes to your prayers the thing to do is as we've often talked is the thing to do in the midst of great evil is not to panic evil is a flashbang boom and then comes the resurrection then comes the discipline then comes the life of the church so evil you know these difficult things that happen to you boom you get this very disorienting painful thing like great weakness in your prayers sometimes for a good long time Um, I've known people who've been through tragedies who just simply say, I can't pray anymore it's not just a matter of being weak, it's a matter of being dinged up. And if you are physically, you know, if you're Kobe and you go down and you tear your Achilles, you know. If you're a tiger and if you wouldn't have hit the stick, you know, you'd be in the lead of the masters right now. You know, things happen, right? I mean, things happen. Uh, you know, you have to actually note that when you're hurt, you're really hurt. And you have to play from where you're hurt. Okay, so you push against the darkness, darkness pushes back. You lose your place. You miss your prayers. Sometimes you just simply can't pay attention. Sometimes you're just distracted. You need to sort of wait through that, and you'll see that um, eventually the weakness will dissipate, and the Holy Spirit will come back. Your friends will push you along. You'll go to the Eucharist, and eventually it works out. Um, It usually works out. Sometimes it it doesn't work out very well. I've talked to you about Mother Teresa. I read a great quote about her this week where she said, by the end of her life, she thought the resurrection was for everybody else but her. That's an extraordinarily difficult quote. Um, however, the interesting thing was, it's not really true, because um, to the end, she just kept going. And part of the thing with your prayers, this is true for your fasting, this is true for your tithing, this is true for coming to the church, you just keep going, okay? And g- just going is the mark of faith, which is you know. I don't know what in the world I'm doing. This doesn't seem to be working out. This is extraordinarily painful. But it is, in fact, what Jesus asked me to do. And that, you see, is the single thing that defines your faith. And long ago, far away, you know, the simplest definition of faith is that faith agrees with Christ. So in your prayers, you agree with Christ. You agree that you'll use his name. You agree that um, the Heavenly Father is listening. You agree that all things are going to work together for your good. You simply agree, even when it doesn't look like anything's working out for you, as in the time between, you know, Good Friday and Easter morning. And then eventually you come back to the resurrection. So one of the ways you can encourage your friends and encourage yourself, when your prayers don't work out, you know, unless you're absolutely sure there's some, you know, mortal sin preventing your prayers, which can happen sometimes to people, you know, more law is not usually the best way to help you um, sustain and increase your prayers. Usually what you need is to be loved. And you need a divine love that comes to you through the Eucharist, through the memory of your baptism, and through your friends here. And eventually, you know, it'll come back. What most people need, what you need, if you're missing your fasting, if you're missing your praying, what you don't need is for me to crab at you. You know, what you don't need is a pastor in the pulpit going 12 minutes at you. You're weak. You're terrible. You're horrible. You don't say your prayers. That's why we're in such a mess. Maybe it's true some days, but... The, uh, another possible explanation is um, you poked enough demons in the eye that you kind of stirred them up, okay? And if you push against the darkness, the darkness will push back. This is why it's so important to just, if you can just, more and more I'm given to these very, you know, short things that sort of guide you through life. I was, you know, we do the margin comments so far in advance. The margin comments were very poignant this morning. The thing from Twain, you wouldn't expect theology from Twain, but forgiveness is the, is the, um, you know, the savor from, you know, from the flowers that are crushed. I mean, that's a very good, good working definition. Or the the what the, the old Desert Father who says, you know, keep peace and you save a thousand souls. I mean, that goes for any church in America. Keep peace and you save a thousand souls. Because why? Because people don't have peace and they want peace. And frankly, the most attractive thing about all of you is that you stand on When you stand on stairs and are kind to each other and kids are playing with each other and nobody's screaming and yelling and nobody's getting spanked, you go into any church in America. Some kids always being spanked. (laughs) Why is that? You know? If you go downstairs and if you're walking across the door, just your kindness to each other is, you know, that savor, that attractive thing. So um, yeah, if your prayers go south, uh, Okay, it's not the first person that, you're not the first person to happen to. You kind of go through a checklist. Do I have a mortal sin? Do I have a venial sin or repeated sin that's in my way? That can be true. But frankly, for other for, you know, for a lot of the other time, it's you're weak. You're you're weak, and we just admit that. I a poor miserable sinner, we admit it you know, two minutes into every service, we admit that. So you may have a sin, check that. You may have a weakness, we know that and uh it it may also be you might just be thumping along with everything working and basically you know you're the demonic target for this week if that in fact happens pause and do the things you're always meant to do read your scriptures go to the eucharist talk to your friends you know say try to say your prayers make sense and partly today we're going to do, well, that's why one of the reasons the Lord's Prayer is so valuable, because when you're dry, trying to come up with prayers is extraordinarily difficult. It's part of the reason we print you a prayer at the beginning and the end of every service, and they're different every week. You might get some repeats after two or three years. But the, we try to find brilliant prayers that you could actually take home. And, I mean, this is, a, you know, whatever, I don't even remember, remember what's on the front, but, you know, they're, they're genius prayers from people who've prayed through their whole life. Make sense? So I'm kind of asking you to be good to yourselves without being lazy. There's some middle ground where you say, this is the Christian life. It's going to be mostly good, but sometimes it's going to be really painful. And sometimes for some particular people, it's going to be really, really painful, and you need to be kind to them and support them. And um, don't presume the worst about them or about yourself. Make sense? You just kind of keep going. Okay? Okay. So now I want to push you then, having said all that, um, I want to push you to this text. And You know, you can open a Bible, you can just read it here, but it's, and it's, what's really interesting in this text is, in Jesus' time, Pharisees, and even John the Baptizer, we talked a little bit about John the Baptizer, in this time, usually teaching about prayer boiled down to two things. There was either some great theology about prayer and you know so you got that if you sat at the feet of a rabbi and people worked really hard and it's like when they send us to seminary and then we can't come back and we can't talk to you like a normal human being you, know, you can spin out a great theology of prayer which can be utterly confounding that's one thing or there were often um, very practical things take this position and we did a little bit of this you know fold your hands close your eyes find a place that was how the teaching broke down it was either kind of a theology or it was um, very practical stuff Jesus does a new thing. Um, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, this has sort of lost its juice, but the last gasp of the historical critical me- method was this thing called the Jesus Seminar, where they would take a piece of scripture, and it was very high-level scholars. They're bright guys. They're just wrong. They're bright guys. Um, and they'd get in a room, and they'd vote. Uh, they'd vote, and you could, I actually have the Bible in my office. You can come see it. And they color-coded the Bible about what Jesus actually said. By the time they got done voting, did Jesus actually say this, or did the church say it, or this is a Father got added later, or this is a mistake? There are very few things in the Scripture that they actually said probably came off Jesus' lips. One of the very few things that they could all agree on was the Lord's Prayer because it was so radical. It's such a different way to pray. So Jesus neither spins out of theology, nor does he sort of give practical lessons, although he does say to his disciples, as you know, Come away with me alone. You're tired. You need some rest. You need some quiet. And we're going to pray. Okay? So Jesus does. But this is the most startling thing is that he actually, you know, drum roll please, gives them the prayer that he prays himself. He doesn't tell them how to pray. He actually hands them his prayer life. He hands them the prayer life that he has from the Father. And then he says, um, hey, you're my brothers and sisters, aren't you? So you can pray this way too. And that's striking because uh, he talks about our and us. And when you think about this, you know, we'll read this in just a second, Jesus doesn't need our and us. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He doesn't, he doesn't need, frankly, you and me to be in on his prayers. There's no added value to Jesus to be in on, in on our prayers. Okay, But what Jesus does is he, he adds value to us. We don't add value to him. He adds value to us. And now all the stuff like Philippians, where he says, you know, and he took flesh and he became one like you. And, you know, he he didn't count, you know, being divine a thing to be reconciled, but he humbled himself, he emptied himself, and took, you know, went to the cross. All that starts to make sense, even in the Lord's Prayer. So you've got it in front of you. Luke uh, 11, 1 to 13. Jesus was praying in a certain place. So he goes away and says his prayers. And when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Very poignant thing, as John taught his disciples, which means give us some special positions and um, give us some theology. So teach us the way a rabbi normally teaches people to pray. He said to them, when you pray, a very interesting, say. He doesn't say, when you pray, sit, when you pray, stand, when you pray, do, when you pray, you know. He doesn't say that. Or he says, when you pray, always remember that. That's not what he does. When you pray, say, um, "Father" or "Our Father," right? It doesn't have it in the in the Luke text, but "Our Father." Now, here's the really interesting thing. Of course, He's already Jesus' Father in the singular, right? So, "Our Father" is in the plural, which means "Our Father." Okay, all of us in it together. We'll all in it together. Who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, and became in the form of a human, right? Suffering death, even death upon the cross, our Father. So, um, frankly, you know, he doesn't get poked in the eye in, in heaven in the, with the Holy Trinity when he's talking to his Father. He only gets poked in the eye. Darkness only attacks because he comes to be among us, right? So, our Father. Um, and now, here's the thing. I'm just going to a little segue, but try to keep two things at once. Um, This isn't, I want a pony, I want a pony, I want a pony, okay? (laughs) This is how the Lord's Prayer goes. Our, your, 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 us, your, 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 amen. Fascinating structure. Doesn't say anything about what I want. Look at this. Our, Father, who art in heaven, your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, you give us, together, all of us, each day our daily bread, you forgive us our sins. And what's so weird about Jesus saying our sins is he didn't have any sins. He said for your sins, isn't that weird? Don't you find that very strange? Jesus' way of normally praying was to pray for forgiveness when he doesn't have any sins. What does that mean? It means, of course, that he who knew no sin became sin for all of us, 2 Corinthians 5, right? He who knew no sin became sin. Not just took sin, became sin, absorbed it, Right? So, um, our Father, your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, you give us daily bread, you forgive us, and then we'll forgive, we, plural, we'll forgive everybody else who sins against us, and you lead us not into temptation. Um, And then, of course, you know the rest, and actually, you know the Lucan text and the Matthew-Mark texts are different, but you sort of put them together and you get it all. And the next line is extraordinarily important, and it really should be, you know, I rarely quibble with the home office. But uh, honestly, it should, be, it should be translated, you protect us from the evil one. Not just, it's just not like there's evil floating in the air, and we hope you know, it doesn't get on our windshield while we're in church. Well, this is like, you protect us from the evil one, from the person. You protect, us from, you protect us from the evil one who's pursuing, and that's why you make the sign of the cross at that point. Basically, when you pray, you've poked the devil in the eye. He's going to poke you back. Do you watch, do you watch, you know, do you watch wrestling, pro wrestling? You should watch pro wrestling. I mean, you would see it. Pro, what is pro wrestling other than a Bible story? There's good, there's evil. You're hoping the good guys come out on top. Sometimes the evil guys win. We should go out of 80,000 people in New York City last week for pro wrestling. You obviously need to watch different TV. Okay, so i just put it out there for you. All right, so you know, so the first part is, um, just remember, it's our, you. Our, you, 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 us, and you, for we, you, you, you. Now, that just sounds really different from your own prayers and mine. Because really, when I pray, I've got a checklist of things Jesus needs to get done before noon. Because the Masters is coming on, and we've got to work this through, okay? You can think about your prayers in a different way. One of the ways that Jesus loves you, is to um, give you his prayer. And when he gives you his prayer, uh, he gives you what he himself says to his Father. And I'm going to open my notes to see if I said anything that resembled what I wrote down, okay? <laughs> Questions? Yes, sir. Question. Um, I was at a Catholic function, and I noticed when they say the Lord's Prayer, they don't say that the final line do. Those Catholics always doing something different. Gotta- yeah, they don't say the last bit, do they? Right. Of the Kingdom- and that's how they sort the Lutherans out, too, by the way. <laughs> At any wedding, at any wedding, the Lutherans keep going and they all like. You were at table three at the reception, now you're at table 23. That's the way it works out, right? The, you know, the, 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 the fathers keep their daughters away from, you know. <laughs> anybody know the answer? It's not in the Bible. Yeah, it's not in the Bible until sometimes no. later. Hold on. Go ahead. Some texts have it, some don't. And um, it was the common way. So, two interesting things about the Lord's Prayer. One is, they treated it as they treated their other prayers, although they treated it as king among prayers in the early church. Um, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory is a very, very common way that Jews ended their prayers in the time of Jesus. In the way that, you know how, a great example is, you know how we sing the antiphon, then we sing the song for the day we sing the antiphon? It's like that. It's like they just always. It's what you'd always say. It's like saying please and thank you. It's the way you always, you know, you say please may, and then you order, and you say thanks very much to your waiter. It's like that. You always say that at the beginning and the end. So it was the Lord's prayer was tucked within this or ended up with the polite way that every good Jew would end his prayers. You know, uh, the the Christians stuck around until they got kicked out, till things got tough, and so um, the churches absorbed this. So one thing is, you can have it or not have it. Um, you know, either way is fine with me. The other thing is, is that in the early church, you know how um, Pastor Nelson prayed today, and then he says, you know, and we always start, and just, you know, they're just as an aside, you can always tell what's happening in our prayers because we go from general to specific and from material to spiritual. That's how the prayers always go. You look at them, they always go general to specific, material um, to spiritual. The most spiritual thing is the Eucharist, so that's always the last thing, gather them up and bring them close. But we pray for our church, we pray for our world, we pray for Christians other places. So it's like this big funnel that sort of narrows down. That's what we're doing at the altar. Um, in the early church, rather than do that, what they used to do is they'd say, you know, our Father who art in heaven. And then they would, they'd tack in their prayers. So And that's where they would say, we pray for our bishops, we pray for our pastors, we pray for our people, we pray for our... Hallowed be thy name. Then they tuck in everything that goes. So the Lord's Prayer got greatly expanded. So the, part of the reason I'm saying that, Eric, is that it's not so odd, given their context, that there's a little thing tacked on. You shouldn't all you know, go home and worry about the inspiration of Scripture. That's not it at all. This is just how people prayed. And in fact, in the early church, they found it very comfortable to tuck their prayers. And in some ways, theologically, very appropriate to tuck their prayers in behind the petitions. The small catechism is not unlike that. You go read Luther's small catechism, all he's doing is telling you all the things that are contained in that little thing. They used to just kind of pull that out during the service rather than having a separate prayer. that makes sense? And that was the big finish. It was the polite finish. That's how you did it. Okay? So it's not a right or wrong answer. It's just a commonality. Still good? Questions? Mr. Orton. Good morning. small catechism, you know, with the Lord's prayer, we for house and home Right things that we get. That's right. That we're getting all the time. That's right. And one of the great things is is that I mean so you have to think about the our and the us right there, which is partly that means Jesus is in your home. He considers you family, congratulations. So he's in your home. And then he actually considers all the people around you family as well. I mean this is why you can hardly imagine that a church would ever have a struggle. Because if we actually remember this, that Jesus is in our families, in our congregations, in our lives, right? That this is how Jesus prays. Jesus prays, like, here's the thing. If Jesus walked in the room, you would all be on your best behavior, right? You would. You'd you'd all be on your best behavior. I mean, you know, so if your wife gets sassy with you today, Don, you can just say, hey, you know, the little baby Jesus is right here with us, Mary Ellen. You try that and see how that works. And if it works, we'll kind of roll it out to the rest of the congregation, okay? Let me know how that goes for you. Some of the young guys are wondering, but they, you know, they need somebody brave to kind of check it. Sorry, Mary Ellen. It's just the way life works some days. Okay, so, uh, but I mean, think about that. If you, you're saying a genius thing, which is if you think about the hour in a, bigger, in a bigger context, the hour and the we, Jesus puts himself right into your lives. It's most clear when he says, forgive us our sins. There's no reason that Jesus has to say, forgive us our sins, unless he's taken on yours and mine, right? Yes, please. That's a frequently called your prayer life. And I think um, your prayer life actually has a life, and it changes, and hopefully for the better. In the last four months, uh, after her dad died, we've yeah. to changed how we pray at, at supper time. We have a kind of a Catholic-Lutheran combo prayer, Yeah. and when we get done, <laughs> we... Do. we uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, I, I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm not against <laughs> it. <laughs> So you have to know the backstory, which is uh, they very kindly took in Carol's parents. Her father passed away soon after he came. Your mom is with you. She's Catholic. And Byron is adjusting everything. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a wrench on it, right? There you go. There you go. But what we've done is, after we finished the canned prayer, if you will, for the table. Yes, right. Um, then we... Uh, go ahead and, and toss in our own concerns. Right. And so I'll go ahead and start after that. And then if I don't start right away, they'll look up waiting. And then we- I've seen that. It's the same as on Duck Dynasty. Yeah. The old guy at the end. Do you watch Duck Dynasty? Yes. The old guy at the end, he always prays at the table. You, you folks, you've got to get out more. Pay for cable. <laughs> It'll change your lives. What are you doing at home? Are you? <sighs> well, then when i finish. And the girls each take their shot. So they get the last word anyway. Absolutely. Which is, that's the, old, that's the way of being the old man in the family. You've got to know when to take and know when to give, right? That's running like about 90-10 right now, right? Hey, you want to get up to 95? Like Orton, 95. He's like 97 and a half. And, hey, experience. It's just easier, is it not? Prayer life is changing. Prayer life. The, the great point is your prayer life. It does have a life and it does change. And of course it changes when people move in and out of it, right? Absolutely. Which is actually a great segue into the next bit, which is, this is how your prayer life changes. So here's the next thing Jesus says to you. Um, Just look at the text. Look at the text. Uh, And he said to them, Jesus says to them, so teach us to pray, right? So first he gives them a prayer, and then he he gets, so say this, and then this is how your life, your prayer life is going to change. He said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. So um, he said, suppose you have a friend and you go to midnight and you say, lend me three loaves of bread. You're like, why is that crazy? A friend of mine has arrived. So here's how it works. Your neighbor's in bed, you're in bed, and you have really bad friends, okay? (laughs) This is how it works. Your neighbor's in bed, you're in bed, you have really bad friends. I had a high school, I realized what a jerk I was. In fact, I had a high school teacher who I loved and, you know, I would sort of, you know, When I was going places, I would, you know, I'd call him from Russia, blah, 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 blah. I can remember him once being at a wedding at 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 the L.A. Country Club. It's the middle of the night, especially in Iowa. I can remember calling him saying, hey, how are you? Yeah, his wife did not think that was funny. So there are people, you know, who are asleep, and then there are people who are awake in the middle of the night. Well, I was this guy, okay? So your friends are asleep, you know, you're asleep, and some idiot calls you in the middle of the night and says... Hey, I'm here. Let's, let's play. It's great, isn't it? How come you go to sleep so early? It's only 3.30 a.m. <laughs> okay, so he shows up, and i got nothing to give him because, obviously, you know, you got, it's the middle of the night. You know, even the 7-Eleven. So you got a neighbor, you know, you and your jerk friend, okay? So he comes, and he's banging on your door, and you're like, i got nothing to give him. And he answers from within. Your reasonable neighbor says... <laughs> don 't bother me, right? The door 's been locked. My children are in bed with me i can 't get up and give you anything we 're locked down, okay. Come back later. Now, um, you know if you 've ever had a puppy, you know you know that that doesn 't work because what happens when you bring the puppy home, and put it in the cage for the first night? What happens? Arr, 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 arr. So eventually you find out who 's the weak one in your marriage? here 's the thing. I mean, I don't think this says that Kirby... This isn't Kirby's Bible study. I don't think it said that any, anywhere. I mean, two become one and all that, but really, okay. So who gets up with the puppy and brings it into bed and says it's all going to be okay? Okay, you figure that out for yourself. You know, I got nothing. The door's already locked. I'm in bed. My kids are here. I can't give you anything. But I tell you, even though you won't give up and give anything because he's his friend... He's going to get up and give him something because he's annoying. (laughs) Because he's shameless. All right? Because of his shamelessness, he'll get up and give him whatever he wants. All right. So now just think about that. That's how you're supposed to pray in some form. What in the world could that possibly mean to you? Um, Well, it means something like this. Um, People are going to come to you with impossible demands. It's funny, being a pastor, you know, people, the hardest thing for being a pastor is people come last. They've been put into hospice. They've got cancer. Their spouse has just left them. Their kid's already in jail. You know, you can, like, put the whole list out, and then they kind of go, so we talk to a lawyer, we talk to the police, we talk to the doctor, we talk to the wedding coordinator. Can you fix this? I'm like... No, uh, but I will, I know somebody who might be able to fix this. Okay, so what do I do? Like, I'm in bed, and you're coming to me with this impossible thing. I just got diagnosed with cancer. You're, my kid's in jail, and here's the thing. You know, I mean, this is my story, too. We all got, we've been through this, but I just want to lay it out there. Don't be thinking you're better than the person. Look right, look left. They're both better than you, okay? So everybody's got this in their family. So I'm not, this isn't busting on you or anything like this. You should come. But here's the thing I'm not a magician. Love the, did you get the Acts text last week where Peter was walking by? And what do people do as Peter's walking by? They move people into his shadow because apparently when his shadow touched them, he got healed. Amen. That's not me, okay? I mean, somebody's standing in my shadow and it's not helping you a bit. All right, so here's the... Although I will say to you, that's where relics come from. So, you know, sometimes when you get uber-Lutheran on us and you're like, why do they have relics or why do people venerate things? Because there are things like you touch the hem of Jesus' robe or you touch the hem of Peter's robe or you get under Peter's shadow. Um, sometimes the church isn't as crazy as you think. Stuff happens. That's why the history of it is venerated. I'm not making a pitch for any particular thing. I'm just saying to you, people aren't out of their minds, Okay. So anyway, you come to me, and I'm like, it's the middle of the night, and I sleep hard. You know, you're saying to me, I got cancer, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I, they didn't teach me oncology at pastor school. So what do I need to do? What do I need to do? It's the same question for you. What do you need to do? What do you need to do? You need to? Yes, but that's not what the text doesn't say, pray. What's the, it, 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 Pray is the right answer, and Jesus is the orange in my bag at the children's sermon, but... Before you go to the right answer, what's the text say? You go, you go borrow something. That's what you do. You go borrow something. So you've got these people who come into your lives. These people come into your lives and they ask you to do the impossible. Normally they're in their teenage years and they live in your house. They ask you to do the impossible, like pay college tuition. You know, They want you to do impossible things for them. And they come... In the middle of the night where everything is ruined, everything is broken, everything is hopeless, everything is dark, there's nobody else around, you're it. And they say to you, hey, could you fix this? And you're like, I, I got nothing. Now, pause. It's okay for you to have nothing. It's okay as long as you know a guy who's got something, right? Oh, don't you have a friend who always says, I know a guy? Hey, you got anybody for this? I got, you know, my washer's broken at home. But I know a guy, right? He'll be over eventually. You know, you just have to know a guy. You don't have to be the guy. You've got to know a guy. It's like when you're writing a dissertation. There's two kinds of information. The kind you know and the kind you can look up, okay? You just got to know. So some, somebody comes in the middle of the night. They make an impossible demand on you. I got nothing. They shamelessly persist, partly out of their own desperation. All you need to do is find somebody who's got what they need. Now all the pieces should fall into place, right? Because Jesus says, you know, whatever you got going, you come to me in my name, ask what you will, and I'll give it to you. That's going to be the next bit, which we're running out of time to talk about. But this is why the very next bit is ask. You'll receive, seek, and you'll find, knock, and it'll be open to you. Because Jesus is saying, I'm I'm the guy. So when people show up and ask you to do impossible things, like, I don't know, parent a two-year-old, Or have teenagers or when you have an impossible thing like you just lost your job or you just had to fire somebody. These are miserable things you're going through when families blow up or you know um, kids overdose on drugs or you wake up and it's not happy when the police call you and say you know can you come down here. You don't have to have every resource. You got to know a guy. Okay that's what you need to do and that's what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say to you you'll have every resource. Jesus says... You should go borrow something and give it to the person who is in need. Pause. That's where we'll come back next week, okay? Love you. Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses,